where we promulgate that your physical, psychological, and financial health are your true sources of wealth that must be safeguarded and optimized to achieve long-lasting happiness. Here, we'll discuss tactics on how you may self-actualize to reach the pinnacle of authentic masculinity by embracing true libertarian principles, arming yourself with red pill knowledge, as well as implementing the most up-to-date holistic health biohacks to optimize your health. Stop being a blue pill sheep, being led to slaughter by big government and the court system. Become an awakened man. Here's your host, Gregory. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory, and welcome back to another episode of The Awakened Man. I hope you're doing well today. As we enter the most depressing month of the year, the year that has the most physical abuse, the year with the mo- the month with the most drinking, the month with the most separations. <laughs> well, think about it. You know, it's dark. It's cold. There's nothing to look forward to now that the holidays are over. You're getting all the bills from overspending for Christmas, or I should say your wife overspending for Christmas, or you being henpecked to agree to have overspent for Christmas. Sometimes during the holidays, uh, some of the family issues come into place, in-laws visiting, that can lead to other stuff, and there's just a bleak time. But you know what makes January awesome? It's my birthday month. So my birthday is this week. I won't tell you which day to avoid identity theft. So, I'm turning 47. I feel old. Now, I, I I don't feel old. Like, I don't have chronic pain. I don't take any prescription drugs. I mean, come on. Would I have a... Go through the back catalog, man. I mean, what kind of double standard would it be about? Like, you know, big pharma's bad, but I'm on 15 drugs. Well, today we're going to talk about another double standard. But as a whole, let me finish my thought here, please. Yeah, I don't feel 47. And I know men age like fine wine, but yeah, I mean, let's face it, like in terms of golf, I am now on the back nine of my life, but I'm okay with that because I'm a Christian, you know, I don't fear the afterlife. And so today we're going to talk about kind of a continuation of actually last episode yesterday about can you be MGTOW and Christian. Today we're going to talk about if I had to marry, what circumstances would have to be in place for me to marry? Now, in this scenario, an old friend of mine, I have a group of Asian women friends from college. Called the, I call them the Asian syndicate. One's originally from, from uh, Japan, one's from Vietnam, and one's from China. Close, lifelong friends, right? College friends. And, and they're like, and this is a really bad act, but they'd be, like, they'd be like, Gregory, what would it take for you to marry? You know, because they know I'm, I'm, they don't understand MGTOW. I mean, they understand on one level. They're all, two of them are rich and married to very rich men who made them rich. The other one's just uh, kind of single spinster type. So look, I'm going to delineate out, let's use a big SAT word here. I'm going to delineate out a profile of a woman that if I had to marry like a gun to my head, which of course would be annulled because one of the ways annulments occur in the Catholic Church is a, a consent under duress. So the old shotgun wedding you're going to marry my daughter. You you slept with my daughter. You're going to marry my daughter. I do. Yeah, that that would be annulled. No one would no one would even count that as a real marriage. So if you had to put a gun to my head, this is the scenario. Now, I'm not going to go all MRA. Well, we need to get rid of alimony. We need to because that's not going to happen in the next let's say 2 years, right? So this is what would have to happen. And I'm not going to 
pull an easy way out and say, I'm going to move to the Philippines. So I'm going to stay in the city I'm in because I care about my kids and I believe they need to see their father whenever the courts allow it. But I'm staying in town. I'm staying in, in the the the, I would say, toxic milieu of the court system of the United States and in Texas, and I'm staying here. Okay, so look. I will concede that there are happy marriages. And I'm not talking about the 22-year-olds who just got married who are effing themselves all day and all night, and you're young and you're traveling, you have no kids. You know, there's that Louis C.K. line, and I need to, I need to, you need to look it up. It, it, it's, it's, uh, it's on YouTube, of course. It's something where he talks about, just Google Louis C.K. marriage. But he, he talks about how when you are married with no kids, it's essentially an extension of dating. It really is. And it's only until you have kids that you're married. You know, the stressors of marriage really kick into place for a lot of people. So look, I will concede that there are people my age who've been married 10, 15, 20 years that are happy in marriage. I'm not going to be this black pill nihilist. Say, Everybody's miserable. No, this statistics are you got a 25% chance of having a happy marriage after 20, 25 years, 50% in a divorce. And then the other 25 are miserable. So do you feel lucky punk? Will you get on a plane that crashes 75% of the time? Some will, you know, some men don't want to be alone. Some men need the second mom. Some men need the validation. Some men are scared of being alone, right? They don't want to do their dishes and, and, and so forth. So so this this is what this is the scenario. Okay, so I'm a Catholic. I do believe in unicorns. So I would have to marry a traditional Catholic. Now, not like a Catholic who goes to the suburban parish. The parishes are, are what we call churches for you people who know nothing about the Catholic Church. And you know, it's you know what they say about the Christian the, the Protestants. Let's say the Protestants think they know everything about the Catholic Church, but they know nothing about the Catholic Church. We don't worship statues. The Pope's, the Pope's not the Antichrist, you know, all these things. I mean, there's so many misconceptions. So I'd have to marry a Tradcath. So a Tradcath woman, and there's few of these, trust me. My ex-wife, who if I were still married to her, we would be celebrating coming up on our 20th anniversary. She was Catholic, but... She was a uh, you know, typical suburban Catholic upbringing, uh, went to Catholic um, college. and uh, But, you know, those those areas are, are infected by radical feminism. And, and a lot of Catholic women are infected by radical feminism. They're affected by postmodernist thinking. If you look at the statistics, it's something like 50%. I don't know. I think it's more it's like 70% of Catholic couples contracept. And uh, 50% of Catholics, especially those who identify as Catholic but don't go to church weekly. So this would be like the Biden types or are Democrat, they vote Democrat, those who are weekly churchgoers, and you see this for all denominations, and Catholicism is not a denomination, it's the original church, but either way, if, if you are a weekly churchgoer, you tend to vote conservative, but, so Tradcath is somebody who goes to uh, a place that either does the Latin mass, so Latin is the language of the church, and uh, it was essentially abolished after this this council called Vatican Council II that took place between 1962 and 1965. And it was an attempt by the two popes who ran it to, quote, br bring in fresh air to the church. But 
Uh, conservatives would say that it was an attempt to liberalize and bring in communist agents or let the communist agents that had infiltrated the church in, in decades past go to somebody like Bella Dodd. Bella Dodd was a woman who used to be belong to the Communist Party of the USA, and she, under congressional testimony, admitted that most of the churches were infiltrated in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, including the Protestants, the Lutherans, and Methodists. And uh, so they would tell you that that the council was the attempt for the, the communists and, and the Masons to fully take over the church and implement, uh, put in changes to, to the church. And one of the changes that came out of it is that they changed the mass. The mass used to be in Latin. Now it's in the vernacular. And, and then they brought in folk music and took out the statues and the stained glass and, and so forth. So the Latin mass, which was the mass of pretty much <laughs> for the, the previous 1400 years, uh, was essentially ab- abolished, but now uh, Pope John Paul II allowed a, a, like a, an exclusion. So, in every big city, you'll find at least one parish that does the the, the traditional Latin Mass. And so, the traditional Latin Mass, women are expected or at least encouraged to wear chapel veils or, or veils, mantillas, as they say in my people's tongue. And we used to wear this. Every denomination used to wear it for centuries because it was a way to protect something that has long been extinct called modesty. Because you know you don't want women don't want to be looked at at church, and more importantly, women want men to focus on prayer in church, and so they wear a veil to cover themselves. So the the traditional the tradcath women are either going to be women who go to the Latin mass, they still use incense and Gregorian chants, and they wear veils. Or they'll go to a parish that uh, still doesn't, that still has solemnity and has good music and and is reverent and, and still has statues. And, and we don't worship statues. Worshiping statues is not idolatry. If you look, I don't want to go off topic, but uh, worshiping, looking at a picture of or a statue of Mary or St. Joseph is akin to looking at a picture of your dead grandma. You're looking at your dead grandma. You look at this, you look at the picture, just and you, you miss her. You like her. You love her. You miss your grandma. Same thing. We look at a statue of the Virgin Mary. We're not worshiping the actual wooden statue. It just reminds us of the mother of God. And that's all it is. We don't worship Mary. So she would have to be a tradcath. Tradcath women who are attracted to this type of mass tend to still believe in biblical gender norms. They tend to still believe in obedience and the man being the head of the family. And most importantly, as I go off on this kind of side tangent, is they believe that marriage is a sacrament, an act instituted by Christ to confer grace. And so because they believe it's a sacrament, they believe that marriage should be for life. As Christ says in the Gospels, it should be for life. And so Tradcath women, on one level, I, I tie their salvation to marriage. If you look at the typical woman today, or even the typical Lutheran woman, Episcopalian, Catholic woman, uh, there's no stigma to divorce, and they don't think anything of it. A tradcath or a trad Jew or a trad Mormon, they feel a lot of shame, and they understand the teachings of the church and the teachings of Christ about divorce. And we're not going to go off topic like, what are the exclusions to divorce and all that, but my point is this. She'd have to be a tradcath, because tradcaths still some of them who are not crypto feminists would never divorce because they understand that it's essentially a grave mortal sin. And they understand that they would not be able to remarry and they would understand that it might affect their salvation. So it'd have to be a trad cath who I've properly vetted 
to see if she's not a values chameleon, a woman who just adopts, you know, values to get whatever high SMV man she wants. So she, yeah, yeah, you're a conservative. I'm a conservative, you know, those types. Okay, so, so she's got to be that. Okay, she's got to be younger than me because why would I want a menopausal woman? I mean, let's be real. If, if we want a real delineation of what kind of woman I, I would marry, she's going to have to be young. I'm sorry. I'm not saying 21 young. I'm saying she still has to be in her fertile years. So I'm 47, right? So at least, you know, eight years, at least eight to 18 years. So somewhere in her 30s, let's just say. I mean, that's the way it's been since time. So any of you women listening, oh, you're such a pig, Gregory. <laughs> that's the way we're all wired. Older man, younger woman. It's been that way since the beginning of time. Both sexes benefit from it. So get over it. So younger, single mom, hell no. I would not marry a single mom. Because again, you remember, the biggest competition to MGTOW is, is not another woman. Like if you're dating or STRing, short-term relationship with a woman. Is not another woman. It's your freedom. So every time I'm comparing like what my life would be like with this ideal woman, I'm comparing it to my free life. So it would have to be an amazing woman, amazing woman who I've properly vetted for me to consider giving up my independence and my autonomy. Would I say that there are benefits to being married to a good woman? Absolutely. I am not a black pill nihilist. If you have a good woman in your life, a one who doesn't subsume to the the the, the snares of Burfo's law and is is supportive and can cook and clean and be kind and sexually available and age as well and all these sure. There are benefits to marriage. But unfortunately, most of these women don't exist. And then, of course, you always have the court system, which always exists, that will even give the trad caths and trad Jews the ability to destroy you, fleece you, take all your money, take all your kids. And this is why I'm, I'm highly skeptical of any woman. Go back to the episode we just did on PTSD from dating. So younger, no single moms, because why would I put money and time into raising another man's seed? You don't see this in the animal kingdom. I know you're like, your women are like, Gregory, God, oh my God, you're such a pig. Simps, no offense, guys, are the ones that raise other man's seed. Let's just, let's just face it. And also, the single mom has already demonstrated that she has no problem leaving the man who was the father of her child, whether they were married or not married. So she already, she's already set the precedent. She has no problems breaking up that family. So what makes you think she won't do it again? And just practically, it's better to marry a woman who has no kids. Just, I mean, the practicality. So younger, single mom, no. So never married. Super trad cath, like doing rosaries with me every day, going to daily mass. And then the shit test. You're not on social media. You're not going out with your girlfriends to clubs at night. You're not doing girl weekends out. You got a mate guard. Oh my God, Gregory, mate guarding is for the insecure men. Okay, well tell that to the the what? The, the one billion Muslims, Muslim men who do it. Will they still have maintained frame over there? Now, part of it is just Islamic law helps them out. And, you know, we used to have Christian law that would help us out to a certain extent. But now that we're post-Christian, we don't have that. Men have the responsibility of taking care of their wife, but they don't have the authority over their wife anymore. The government's taken that over. But in, in the theocratic Middle East, and yes, I know, of course, I know there's secular governments over there, because secular countries like Jordan and Turkey and UAE. But, but over there, they're still in the... Muslim milieu, which reinforces mate guarding. Prenup. She'd have to sign a prenup. 
I don't care if this woman makes more money than me. Now, this would not exist because women don't marry men who make less than them. But let's just say in this weird, bizarro world that I would marry. Let's say she makes more money than me. Let's say she's a doctor or whatever. I would still have her sign the prenup for two reasons. Now, you, you see this as a double But Gregory, if she just signed the prenup and you, she divorces, you'll get half of her assets. But look, I have to be consistent. If I think it's wrong for a woman to divorce a man who makes eight times more than he than he does, or than she does, I should say, shouldn't I be consistent? Oh, Gregory, you don't hate women. I Look, strip down this channel and all my content is a trad con channel, traditional conservative channel. I believe that neither sexes should be pumping and dumping. I believe both should return to God, and I believe that we should, if we follow the Ten Commandments, uh, society would be better. So yes, of course, I am for men's rights, and no doubt, I'm MGTOW, and I endorse all of that. But I don't hate women. So either way, I'd have her sign the prenup. Certainly, if I made more money than she did. Certainly. Oh, I'm not going to sign the prenup. You think I'm going to leave you? You think I'm a gold digger? Like, woman, the shame tactics ain't going to work on me. Go to the video. Sorry, go to the episode we just did on shame tactics. Ain't going to work on me. Sign it or I'm out. Again, abundance mindset. Because the, the, the whole thing when I'm delineating or sketching out this woman is there's other women out there that I could theoretically marry if I had to marry. So why are you going to lose frame? Oh, but she's beautiful, Gregory. God, how is it, is it easy is it for men to get dick-napped? You know that ripe apple eventually is going to get moldy. Hey, you don't sign the prenup? All right, I'm out. If she asked me to sign the prenup, all right, whatever. I mean, I don't, look, women feel comfortable spending other men's money or spending their man's money. I don't feel comfortable living off of my woman. That's not manly. Men make, men earn, men produce. That's who we are. But either way, let's just assume in the typical dynamic, she makes less than me. Absolutely, she signs a prenup. I'll probably put in an infidelity clause just to be safe. If you cheat on me and there's any demonstrable proof, uh, such and such will happen. You won't get this money. Or you won't get child. You know, something, something that I'll check with the lawyers that would be upheld in court in the event that there was a divorce. Absolutely, guys. you you got to have her sign the prenup. And look, going back to the Christian MGTOW fornication thing, I am I am content or resigned or whatever you want to call it. I'm never having sex again because sex is fornication. Now, as a Catholic, and you can look at John 20, those sins you forgive are forgiven, those sins you don't forgive are not forgiven. Christ gave the apostles and the successors of the apostles are the Pope and the bishops and so forth, the power to forgive sin. So let's say I do go bang some girl right now. I can go to confession and the priest in the in persona Christi, as we as we say, can absolve my sins if, if I'm truly contrite and I don't plan to do it again. But and that's the beauty of being Catholic and Orthodox is that we have the sacrament of confession. And then also, and, and Paul says this in one of his epistles, you know, preach your sins or, or t- tell you, declare your sins to your fellow man. So yeah, you can go to God and just say, God, I'm sorry for cheating on, but it's not the same. St. Paul says you should tell it to other people. And there's other scriptural and and, and early traditional antecedents for why confession is a sacrament that we have in in the the Orthodox and Catholic churches. But that being said, I don't plan to fornicate. Now, I don't plan to have sex for the rest of my life as a MGTOW monk. Now, is that something that I lament? Sure, on one level, because who doesn't like sex? Even if it's with a starfish lady, who doesn't like sex? 
But again, it's a kind of a return of investment cost benefit analysis. Would I give up my freedom and my ability to do everything that I do to get the P? And we know the P is going to be diminishing returns. Even if you get a younger woman just marrying, you're going to get you're going to get less sex than you were when dating. And then certainly when she hits the great menopause, then you're going to be getting very little, if any. So yeah, I miss sex. But you know what else I miss? Eating white cake all the time. But somehow I manage not to do that and eat that every day. So I mean, look, it is a question of being able to control your appetites. And ultimately, in, in closing here, my goal is to go to heaven. Now, a lot of the Protestants think that salvation is, is guaranteed. You know, you say, Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, go to an altar call, and boom, you're going to heaven. No. You can lose your salvation. Salvation comes, Christ died so we can go to heaven, but we can lose our salvation by being a bad person or through not doing works. You see it in the book of James. Faith without works is dead. Martin Luther tried to get the book of James out of the New Testament because it contradicted his view of solo fide, salvation by faith alone. So yeah, you can lose your, your salvation. If not, think how easy it'd be like, Jesus Christ, my Lord is Savior, and then you go murder everybody and embezzle money and cheat on your wife and all these things that are clearly stated in every book, or you know, Old Testament, New Testament, even the Gospels that are wrong. Come on. So my ultimate goal is heaven. Okay, so... If I can be a monk and not fornicate and go to confession and try to be the best Christian I can be, and maybe I have a good chance of going to heaven. If I'm fornicating and I'm unrepentant, even if I'm a good guy and go to church and all these things, I might not go to heaven because fornication is a mortal sin. So if I really need sex, then I need to to marry in the church sacramental marriage, not like civil marriage. And ultimately, in closing, closing, The goal of your spouse is to get you into heaven. And what I mean by that is this. The goal of your spouse is to be a support pillar to you, but also minimize your temptations. Be a voice of reason in your head. So in 1 Corinthians, it talks about how you're supposed to sacrifice your body to your partner. Men sacrifice your body to your woman. Women sacrifice your body to the men. So there should be no sex as a weapon. Sex is extortion. Oh, you didn't clean the garage. No sex for two weeks. These kind of things. So sex should be always be freely by both sexes. And that is partly done. St. Paul recommends that because, again, if you're not having sex, and we've seen this in a lot of relationships, you stop having sex. Normally, it's the woman who stops having sex with the man. The man's going to want to cheat. He's tempted, right? The devil's getting in there, the snares of the devil. And you're more likely to cheat. So the job of your spouse is to get you into heaven by minimizing temptations, sexual concupiscence, whatever you want to call it, Minimizing temptations, encouraging you to pray, encouraging you to go to church. And ultimately, that's what a good spouse would do. A good spouse would be somebody that, of course, that you get along with, that you have levity with, that you have fun with, you can travel with, that maybe is a good mom. I know all you guys are rolling your eyes. (laughs) It's a good mom who cleans the house, who cooks, who won't divorce you, and all these things. But ultimately, it's somebody that's going to help you get to heaven and somebody that you can have, have in your golden years. Does this person exist? I think unicorns do exist. Am I willing to find out if a woman that I encounter in my life is a unicorn? No. You could say it's PTSD of dating. You could say, oh, Gregory, you're going to spend your your old years alone. Well, first of all, I'll have my kids, God willing, that they don't die. Uh, but yeah, call me call me cynical that I just don't trust the system, which has demonstrated that it's destroyed men numerous times. I don't, I don't trust the system. So even if I trust the woman, 
and I find this woman who lives in the house with no television, so she's not inf- infiltrated by radical feminism and, and sex positive and all these things, who lives in the house praying the rosary all day. You know, all the, I mean, look, the chances of this woman existing is, 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 is infinitesimally small. And the chances of her staying that way are infant, infant, infinitesimally small, right? Values come in. At the beginning, she's going to be, yeah, I'll pray the rosary with you or whatever it is, whatever your, your religion. I'll do, yeah, of course. Is she going to be that way in 20 years? Think of Einstein's quote. A man marries a woman and spends the rest of the marriage wondering what happened to that woman. So that's the other thing. So guys, in closing, Tradcath, prenup, younger, mate-guarded, kind, obedient, sexually available age as well. Yeah, that's what it would have to be. But please, at the end here, don't take the takeaway be Gregory's endorsing marriage. Or Gregory wants to be married. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I'm responding to one of the Asian syndicates asking what it would take for me to marry, like what kind of woman. And that is the answer I gave today. The website's Naturopathic Earth. Go check out all the articles that we have there and all the recipes, mostly of them paleo-inspired. If you want to donate, click on the PayPal link found in the episode notes here. Donate whatever you can, 5 10 bucks to defray the cost of, of hosting this channel. Also go to Naturopathic Earth, the website. There's a link in the episode notes and you get to the homepage from there. You can help me out by clicking on the ads. I get like 50 cents for every time you click on an ad, but click on the two pictures of my books on the right side of the main page, Confessions of an Obese Child and Revelations of a Weight Loss Warrior. That'll take you to Amazon. From there, buy my books if you like, paperback or Kindle, or you can just search and buy whatever you want on Amazon. Let's say you want to buy Instapot. I'll get 2% commission if you buy that within 24 hours of going through my links. So it's 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 nothing. It's like a dollar fifty cents commission, but you know it's theoretically could add up. So help me out that way. If you need some help from the one-on-one perspective for for red pill or for weight loss or for purging uh, toxins out of your house, contact me through the Clarity.fm link. Go to Clarity.fm and uh, schedule something. And lastly, please post an honest review for this channel and subscribe so the episodes come directly to you. And also for Confessions of an Obese Child and the Female Holistic Health Apothecary, my two other channels, post an honest review and subscribe there. And wish me a happy 47. Take care. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Awakened Man Podcast. Find us on Facebook at the Awakened Man Podcast page. Subscribe and post an honest review on Apple Podcasts and consider donating to our crowdfunding account. And remember, freedom is better than needle. Until next time. Contributed to Nine Inch Nails.